and welcome to Nice Jewish Fangirls, a podcast where three Orthodox women discuss all of the wonderfully nerdy things that we're obsessed with. My name is Michal Schick, and I'm your host, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-hosts, Essam Rosenberg. Hello. And Tamar Herman. Hello. So today, in anticipating celebration of the holiday of Purim, which is coming up, um, it will hopefully be the week of this episode's release, we're going to talk about bottles, but not exactly. We're going to talk about our favorite bottle episodes in television, uh, and we will explain a little further what bottle episodes are, um, if you aren't familiar with the term. There are a lot of conflicting definitions. So This is true. This is true. We are Very using Jewish. all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, if you feel like it's a bottle episode, then it's a bottle episode. I definitely have some in here that I feel like are not officially, but that's fine because I'm It's okay because anyway. I looked up a list that like was like top 10 Star Trek bottle episodes and I'm looking at this list and then I look at, you know, the actual list on memory alpha that has like sourced you know, which ones are actually bottle episodes and like none of the ones on the original list were bottle episodes. So I don't care. Nothing is real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So before we get started, though, we do want to just acknowledge the horrible uh, war uh, that is currently ongoing as at the time of this recording in Ukraine. Um, we obviously want to send all of our love and feel prayers to um, Ukraine and the people there. Um, and just, you know, I, I'm sure that it's not new for people to hear recommendations of donation places, but we just want to remind everyone that the International Rescue Committee is a good place to donate. HIAS also. Um, and um, there's a kind of interesting initiative where people are booking Airbnbs um, in in Ukraine um, that can be flawed because Airbnb takes a chunk, but it, it is still getting money directly to the people who are renting those rooms. Um, so, yeah, um, I don't know if you guys want to add anything. No, I just... Uh... Uh, one of the things that was going around recently was um, Leonard Nimoy's son, Adam, tweeted that, uh, you know, his father was a descendant of Ukrainian immigrants. And so uh, personal connections there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just hope everyone stays safe. I like had a very intense deep dive into my family's hometown from in the Ukraine. It got dark so fast. There are only records of Jews in cemeteries. It's very depressing. I hope people who are in Ukraine right now are getting the help they need, and I hope we can all get it for them faster and bring peace soon. I mean, um, yeah. So also because we're going to be talking about Purim, uh, this episode, uh, we do just want to say, um, please don't dress in racist or racially insensitive costumes. Uh, <laughs> that can include. Anything from simulating other people's facial features to wearing cultural costume uh, or t- cultural dress as a costume. Please don't do either of those things. If you have questions, just ask someone. But there's no shame in asking. That's a great thing to do. Um, you can also refer to, our, to our, one of our past episodes. Um, what, what did we call it? Purim I think Seriously? It was called Purim Seriously. Yeah. Um, about, yes, uh, for why those are not great things to do, and please don't do them, and make sure that Purim is a Chag Sameach, a happy holiday for 
everyone, including Jews of color and people of color who see pictures of Jews dressed up on Purim. Or, or um, even if not, you just should not be racist. That also. Yes, exactly. It is It is an isolated good or its own good, but yeah. Also a thing with consequences, so yeah. Um, the other thing is, please celebrate safely. Um, drink in, you know, appropriate moderation in a safe location if you are doing drink so. responsibly. And, yes, exactly. And um, be aware that there are some people who uh, cannot do so. So for their own physical and mental health. So, yes, please be aware of that. I'm I'm pretty sure that all of our listeners are understanding and wonderful people. Yeah. If you peer pressure people, I will come out and, and whack you with, I don't know, probably an empty bottle of something that wasn't alcoholic because I don't drink. <laughs> well, can I well, can I offer a non-alcoholic gin option that I've yes, become please. quite familiar with in Hong Kong? I don't know why, but a few people here I know um, drink non-alcoholic gins. Um, it gives you the same, like, nice bottle, and it's really pretty. And so the, the brands that I've um, seen people really like are Cedars and Seedlip. Um, hold on, I'm just double-checking the Seedlip one. Is, that's the actual name. Yeah, so Seedlip, and Seedlip has, like, a lot of different flavors, and the bottles are really pretty. So it's, like, kind of when you want, a, you know, it's a mocktail, but it, it, like, comes in a nice bottle. It gives you the whole thing. Like, you literally could have it, and nobody would know that you're not drinking liquor, not that you should need to, if you're ever in an environment where people are like, oh, you, you're not drinking booze, like, get new friends. Um, but it's like, it's like a nice thing, like, because I don't know, personally, I like, like, coming home at the end of the day and, like, watching TV with, like, a glass of wine. But sometimes I'm like, that's a lot of liquor if I do that every night. I don't do it every night, just to clarify. But, like, if I do it even two nights a week, it feels like, oh, hmm, that's, like, an okay amount. But if I do it every single night, that's a lot. So I've been thinking a lot about non-alcoholic liquors lately and it's kind of a cool industry and there's a lot going on there nowadays because you know everyone's conscious of drinking and so if you want the pretty bottles and like the whole experience you can still get it nowadays which i think is pretty cool yeah my favorite thing about alcoholic beverages has always been the bottles and the colored glass and the shapes and all of that like i don't care about what's in them (laughs) (laughs) um yeah that was unpaid promo i think that's actually a good segue into our um current obsessions i was trying to think of a pun but i have failed um instead of our typical current obsessions uh we are actually just gonna go with our favorite drinks alcoholic or not um this this time around to uh stay on theme so anyone want to get started i can go first with my very tame selection of shirley temple because as far as I'm concerned, that is the best thing you can get at an open bar at any Simcha. Um, and if they don't have it, shame on them. I've made them, actually. Um, a friend of mine uh, bought me a bottle of grenadine once um, for a New Year's party that we were both going to, and we made our own Shirley Temples. They are quite excellent. Um, and just lots of sugar, and there's no acquired taste involved because people keep telling me and, like, telling everybody who doesn't like alcohol that oh it's just an acquired taste and it's like I didn't need to acquire a taste for sugar so why would I bother with something else (laughs) so um yeah and I've also heard that there are like if you could get a dirty Shirley that basically ruins your Shirley Temple by adding alcohol so if you like to ruin perfectly good drinks go ahead and do that 
but um, I highly recommend just the Shirley Temple experience, which was, yeah, it was named for Shirley Temple because it was created because she was obviously too young to drink at all of these cocktail parties that she had to go to for Hollywood functions. Uh, and so she got, uh, so she got this special drink that tasted better than everybody else's. And yeah, that's my story. I did not know that story behind <laughs> the name Shirley Temple. That's great. I love that. I, I distinctly remember being at like, probably like a teacher's wedding and, and girls being like, you should go get a Shirley Temple. So there were like a line of girls at the bar being like, can I have a Shirley Temple? The best. <laughs> always. Yes, with the little straws that are really yes. supposed to be like stirrers, but I use them as straws. Yeah. If they weren't supposed to be straws, then why do they have holes? I don't know. People are dumb. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that is uh, that is my story and I'm sticking to it. Nice, nice. Um for me, I I I honestly like I'm not a big alcohol drinker, but I I'll just say like well, also, I mean, first of all, I have to give a shout out to Diet Coke because <laughs> Diet Coke is just is the king of all beverages. And um, I owe much good or bad to Diet Coke. <laughs> um, but like, I I really enjoy like cocktails. Like when I, you know, it's it's hard when you like go to, I guess you would call them girly drinks. But like when you go to restaurants that are kosher and like they have a, a nice bar menu for very overpriced alcoholic drinks. Like I really enjoy that. Like it just makes me feel like a grown up. Um, <laughs> and yeah, anything with rum probably is, is going to be good. But like, yeah, I just, I just, you know, they come in pretty colors and they have like, they, you know, they're sometimes pink they sometimes. have flowers. They have flowers. They put like smoke on them sometimes. It's very, I, I, I enjoy this greatly. I, I, uh, yeah, it's, it's not, it's totally nonspecific, but I, I just do really like it. <laughs> oh, I was like cringing when you were talking about your love of Diet Coke. Like I'm such an out of big soda girl. I'm so sorry, but I'm glad you would love it. Really? Uh, oh my God. I didn't know that about you. I have, I happen to have had some I should, like, clarify before we get too far into this episode that as we're recording, I'm on, like, one of my last days of dealing with, like, a week's bout of COVID. Um, so I was, like, going whole ham on, like, junk food, and I happened to have some um, soda in my fridge, like, Sprite and Coke from a few nights ago when a friend that came over. We were going to, like, do mixers. Um, and so I'd just been, like, downing Sprite, and I have barely touched the Coke, and I'm just, like, even when I'm sick... I don't want you. Like, you're fine. Like, I need to be in the right exact mood to have a can of Coke. Um, can I can I tell you a funny coffee. story about Coke for a second? Um, I went to, um, like, yeah, it was January 2020. I went to Florida with my sister. Um, and we went, of course, to Harry Potter World. And I had been to the one in California once before. And we were about to, like, eat our, you know, bagels with cream cheese that we had brought um, and we're, you know, looking around for soda and I was like, oh no, yeah, they don't, they don't have, um, like regular soda here because, um, like in, in, in the Harry Potter world, because it's like not brand integrated and like her face went white. <laughs> she was like, what do you mean? There's no soda. I was like, we can just go outside. We'll go outside to the Aladdin section or whatever, not Aladdin, but like, you know, whatever they had. And it was just, we got soda there, but it was just really funny. <laughs> the panic. Yeah. That was that was actually probably I will say I went to Disney and Universal in 
in Orlando at the same time. And the way that Disney handles kosher and just general, like, food, like, info is, like, literally you say, oh, I'm, you know, I observe kosher or I have this allergy. They have a binder at every single food stall, including, like, the little small stands. And, or like, at Orlando, at um, Universal, like, they literally looked like I grew a second head when I asked to look at one of the, like, packaging for the fizzy, like, soda that they were selling in the Harry Potter land. They were just like, yeah, we don't have that info. And I really... I mean, Disney is like a whole machine, but I I was very, being very impressed by that. Like, they they literally would not only have, like, the nutritional facts and stuff, but, like, they would have the whole box in a binder, like, paper, you know, flattened, cut open, so that if you wanted to look at it, you could see if there was, like, a, a hechsher or something. And I thought that was so impressive. I was really impressed. Yeah, I do have to say, I mean, yeah, I've I've had similar experiences. I mean, it's, you know... If you want some of their kosher meals, you will like literally pay like a hundred dollars for something that doesn't taste very good. Yeah, but don't do that. they are don't do they that. are very supportive and um yeah. I mean, there's a lot of problems with Disney, but like as far as like the people who work there and really trying to make your experience great, I I have always had wonderful wonderful times and I wanna go back so bad. <laughs> I've never been. But... You've never been? Oh, oh no. Oh my gosh, you have to go. I don't know. Amusement park's not so much my thing. Uh, Star Wars stuff is fun, but it's not so big. The the now Space Mountain, at least in Hong Kong, Disney is now um, Star Wars themed, and it was. Uh, I guess well, you're not such a Star Wars person, but um, I am a Star Wars person. But if it was Star Trek, like you'd have well, been there, Star like, Wars is one of my very first fandoms. <laughs> FYI. Um, but the problem is, is the old Space Mountain. Space Mountain is a, a, a is a roller coaster that's in the dark. And something about the way that the... I mean, maybe just as I got old, but the graphics of the original Space Mountain didn't make me nauseated, and watching, like, light speed go past me, I, like, cannot go on this ride. My friends will wait on it, like, online for, like... Well, it's Hong Kong Disney. There's really very few line waits, like, maybe, like, maybe 30 minutes. Um, uh, Except for Toy Story Park. That... Those lines are long for no reason. Um, <laughs> like the RC racer ride is a big, it's a big draw. Um, but yeah, so like they'll go in online and be like, "Are you sure you don't want to come?" I'm like, no. If I get on that ride, I'm just gonna like hurl. Um, and yeah, Ugh, guys, I want to go to an amusement park. Rambling. <laughs> okay, back to drinks. Maybe, maybe Sorry. we'll we'll be sponsored once, and they'll by Disney. Spons- <laughs> or somebody who wants to pay for our all-inclusive trip to the Florida theme parks or something, and we'll go, and I don't know. Listen, I can if dream. Any, if any listener wants to pay for us to go a trip anywhere, please, I'm open to it. Let's yeah. do it. <laughs> Actually, I want to talk to you guys about San Diego Comic-Con. Oh, no. <laughs> that one, that would involve some fundraising, too. Some serious fundraising. Um. Anyway, okay. Yes, back, sorry. Back to favorite teas. This all like all drinks. Sorry, all like talking about favorite drinks. This all just came up because I was like uh, soda. Um, for what it's worth, my non boozy favorite drinks are coffee and seltzer. So plain seltzer or water, just plain seltzer or water. That's what I grew up on, and I love it. Um, just like regular water. <laughs> seltzer is just water that hurts okay i'm yeah. not no no it doesn't hurt what is wrong with you, you i don't like it with bubbles it, it doesn't taste good <laughs> you, you guys should like i don't know it's more for me whatever i'll take the carbon yeah, um go ahead <laughs> is that what it is use your soda um, stream 
I do. I do have what I bought. That was one of the first things I bought when I moved to Hong Kong, and I'm gifting it to a friend when I leave, and she's very excited. Um, so uh, if you're a frequent listener, you might know that I've been in Hong Kong for the past year and a half or so. And Hong Kong has a big cocktail scene, lots and lots and lots and lots of bars. So I just pulled up the menu of my favorite bar called Tel Camellia. Um, it's focused on tea tales, so like tea-based cocktails. And my favorite one is a green tea-based one called Tall Pine, and it has cold brew sencha tea, shiso, uh, tonic, elderflower, gin, and pine scent. And this really sounds unappealing. And the first time it sounds like I it went, smells very else. good. It does, and it tastes like the best thing on this planet. My friend got it the first time that we went, and I don't like green tea typically, so I wasn't going to get it. I ordered, I think I ordered a poor drink. Yeah, I ordered this uh, poor me double. It's poor tea, cucumber yuzu, and beetroot rum, so it was very sugary. But the, the tall pine was just perfect. It was like a little bit of green tea, a little bit of like elderflower, floral, some shiso, like the, like the, the leaf. Um, it, so it was like felt very earthy, but very refreshing. And it's like the best thing I've ever had. And I'm really sad that most bars in Hong Kong are currently closed right now because of COVID. So I don't think I'm going to have another cocktail of it before I go. And I'm just like, so devastated. I love Tel Camellia so much. Um, so that's my, my favorite drink at the moment. Otherwise I'm a red wine or gin and tonic girl. So if any booze company wants to sponsor us. Michal Give Tamar all the alcohol. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it sounds like Michal likes the cocktails also. She just doesn't want to make them. She wants to, like, have them gifted to her. I'm happy to, like, I mean, them. yeah. Oh, yeah, please. Would, Somebody making do all them the work sounds like such a hassle. Like, listen to just all those ingredients. <laughs> Experience. How about USM? Oh, the Shirley Temple. Yeah, I like the Shirley Temples. Um, and I do like soda, but... Um, Never the diet kinds because yeah, like I don't like the taste of alcohol. I don't like the taste of artificial sweeteners, and I can I can always tell when it's there. Um, so yeah, I'll I'll take the the real sugar and the corn syrup and all that stuff. Well, seems like we have some different opinions. <laughs> yeah, I don't like diet either. I'm with you on that. Yay! We agree on something. <laughs> <laughs> like this are. is just so you know that if you host the NJF cocktail party, you n- need to have you know something for each of us. We're, so, you know what? I love that we're just like in fantasy land. It's very perm appropriate for. for this <laughs> we're gonna get sponsored. We're gonna go to Disney World. We're gonna yeah. <laughs> yeah, people are gonna throw it. us parties. Yeah, oh, no, yes. I just want people to you know throw us parties so that I can be like RSVP maybe and then not come. <laughs> <laughs> maybe means no i mean it's, it's yeah always meant otherwise no, you would just say was, yes yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I find that yes means maybe and maybe yeah. means no. um but anyway as for our main topic um we are yeah gonna discuss the bottle episode um Woo! i do have to point out that according to wikipedia the term bottle episode was uh invented from coined, star trek well it was coined by a fellow named leslie St- Stevens is that a who, fellow or a lady? A fellow. He okay. was married five times. Wow. Yeah, not I'm relevant to, to this, but that's is a that lot of in marriages. the Wikipedia about bottle episodes? It it's in his his Wikipedia. Oh, yeah. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, that's a lot of wives. One short of Henry VIII. Anyway, well, he didn't kill any of them though, so that's probably <laughs> probably. You a have no idea. You should go and read that Wikipedia. Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> 
oh, <laughs> I have to check if they were all divorces or if somebody died. It it, it does seem that they were all divorces. So. Okay, good. Yeah. This is nice to know. I mean, relatively. Um. Yes, anyway, very important topic. Okay. Yeah, that just it drew the eye. I have to say. Uh, also, because I, I clicked it to see if he's Jewish. The 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 Wikipedia <laughs> article does not uh, suggest that he's Jewish, although he certainly still could be. But uh, yeah, I was just like five wives. Oh my god, that's okay. a lot of weddings. I'm just it like is. that's a, it is. expensive. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Um. Yes, but according to Wikipedia. In episodic television, a bottle episode is produced cheaply and restricted in scope to use as few regular cast members, effects, and sets as possible. Um, so basically, these are usually, you know, dialogue-heavy episodes. They're, they're, they're things that take place in usually, like, a box of a set. Um, or just existing sets that you've already built for other episodes. Yeah. Um, I feel like they usually... Um, they usually tend to be later in the season, as I feel like. Sometimes, like, yeah, they can be because like you've spent your budget already and you have to come up with something, bef- you know, to conserve money before the finale. Yeah. But, I mean, okay, so I guess just to start, like, how do we feel about bottle episodes? Do we like bottle episodes? I love bottle episodes. I hear that actors are not super fond of bottle episodes because there's, you know, it's the same sets and it's, you know, relatively boring um, for some of them, but as a fan, love bottle episodes. Yeah, I, I've I've definitely heard people being like, oh, you know, like, oh, it's a bottle episode or whatever. You're just trying to save money. And I'm like, oh, so you mean you get to have the characters sit and talk together and not do that much? Like, the reason I watch TV. This is the reason I watch TV. I would watch a movie if I, if I just wanted yeah, action and people it's... moving around and fancy sets. <laughs> like... Yeah, no, it's it's a play, generally. It feel, You mm-hmm. know, the best ones, I think, you know, feel like play. Although there are, from a lot of, you know, it depends what your, your sets, you know, and what your, what your baseline is of, of what's, what's money-saving. Because sometimes a bottle episode, you'll look at it and you'll be like, there's a lot of, you know, makeup or there's a lot of, you know, other special effects that were involved in this episode, but somehow it's still considered a bottle episode. Um, yeah. Yeah, one of mine is definitely... Was, like I was going to bring that up about one bottle episode that I wanted to talk about. So, yeah, so let's dive in. So who wants to who wants to get started? Um, I'll go. <laughs> oh, well, one of the, uh, the, the most famous bottle episodes that I know um, is that on Babylon 5... Of course, there was this episode that there's only one official bottle episode on Babylon 5, although there are several others that I think would qualify because Babylon 5 was done on a shoestring budget um, and was always trying to save money and reuse sets and yeah, whatever they could do. Um, but this one is called Intersections in Real Time, and it is essentially a a play involving the main character, John Sheridan, and an unnamed interrogator who is trying to get him to confess to crimes, blah, blah, blah. Um, And the entire episode takes place in this darkened room. You can't even see what the rest of the room looks like. Um, You just basically, there's kind of like a spotlight on the table, the interrogation table, and you can see, you know, the interrogator and you can see Sheridan. 
um, and very little else. And it's just a, uh, and, and Babylon 5 generally has, um, an A plot, a B plot, a C plot, and sometimes a D plot in every episode. Um, and this episode is just this one A plot, which is, uh, it's the only episode of the series that does that. Um, and it's really intense, um, and it's a fan favorite. Some people hate it, of course, but a lot of people, uh, love it. And it just is a really, it's a masterpiece of slow escalation. Um, and with very little, obviously very few props and no special effects and just a lot of psychological, uh, manipulation and, um, and discussion and resistance and yeah. And it's, it was, it feels like, you know, a, a risky kind of thing to do on, on TV because people are watching TV for all kinds of reasons and not usually coming to watch a two person play, but this entire episode manages, I think very well to hold your attention and to, um, to keep you wondering how it's going to turn out and what's supposed to happen and, um, and just listening to the bad guy's point of view and seeing if under the right circumstances, your good guy could be twisted to the bad side. Um, even though you, you know, he's not going to, but like, how far will it go? So, um, yeah, so that episode, I think, yeah, is the only technical bottle episode of Babylon 5, although there are several other episodes that have major components of uh, two people being stuck in a in a confined space and uh, just talking back and forth at each other, because J. Michael Straczynski has been honest that that is one of his favorite things to do as a writer. Um, so, yeah, there are a couple of other ones that... Um, there's one in the first season called And the Sky Full of Stars, and there's one, I think, in the second season called Comes the Inquisitor, and they both have major components where a main character is being um, somewhat tortured, somewhat interrogated um, in in a different way than in intersections in real time. Um, and, yeah, it's all about escalation of tension and discovering uh, new information and uncovering layers of character and yeah it's uh it's my catnip yeah i think that kind of highlights something about bottle episodes which is that they can sometimes like break the form in really interesting ways and kind of like ask questions that you couldn't necessarily ask in a normally structured episode um like just to yeah uh, yeah um, yeah, so that, that, uh, kind of segues into one of my, uh, favorite bottle episodes, which is, um, you know, not exactly, I mean, it has a lot of sets, but they're, they're all indoors. I feel like a lot of them were reused. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's an episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in season six called Inescapable, which is a good name for a bottle episode. And one of the sets is just like this blank white room. Which I yeah. feel is like somewhat low budget to create. Yeah, and one of them is an escape pod that they use like a million times, and like um, kids' rooms and and stuff like that. Um, it's yeah, it's basically like two characters. It's Fitz and Simmons, basically just like going through their relationship um, in in 
in really interesting ways. And like, I, I, you know, it, it takes a lot of creative turns in terms of like their memories and their trauma. Like each, their, right. Their trauma. Each of them has kind of like an alter ego that, that comes out in the episode. Um, one of whom you've seen before, one of whom you definitely <laughs> haven't. Um, and yeah, it just kind of lets things play out in a very messy, but contained way. And like, I, what I really appreciated about that, it was, it was a controversial episode when it came out. Um, I enjoyed it for the record, but yeah, I didn't even notice that it was a bottle episode. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, uh, that's another thing. Like, I think a, a really good bottle episode, you don't even notice. Um, but like, I mean, you can notice. It's not, it's not a bad thing if you notice, but like, yeah, it, it, you just get so absorbed in the character and the, and the, the small drama that it's like really, you know, just compelling on its own terms. Um, but like, I think people got mad at me for really liking this episode online, <laughs> but like, I really liked it. Like it, 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 it plays with, you know, your expectations of this relationship, which, you know, if you've watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., like the Fitzsimmons relationship is kind of like enshrined. It's like given this very special emotional place where it's like kind of perfect and like, they're they're deeply you know destined for each other and and whatever. I mean their names go together like that <laughs> for yeah, a long exactly. time. We didn't know which one was Fitz and which one was Simmons. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like it really goes to messy places and like it really breaks them down and and shows a lot of their cracks and how like both they and their relationship is flawed and imperfect and like in some ways really messed up. Um, and I, yeah, I just. But really that doesn't mean they can't them. be together. Exactly, exactly. And they, they, you know, there's there's a, a scene that kind of shows how some of their uh, their worst parts go together too. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's yeah. I just found it like a really creative episode. And again, just time time to spend alone with these characters. That's that's another thing I love about bottle episodes. You you feel like you have had just and experience alone with these characters who you love. And I, yeah, I, I feel like that's very special. Yeah. So I think my, when we were talking about final episodes, it's just been what I've been watching lately has been a lot of sitcoms. Um, so like my bottle episodes, they do like definitely showcase the characters and like their personalities and stuff, but they do it in a way that is just so like, it kind of stands alone within the series to some degree like it's not really moving forward the plot at all which most sitcom episodes don't anyway um but the the first one i wanted to talk about was i don't know if either of you have ever watched community i have and i've heard about the bottle episode of community but i haven't actually seen it uh community has multiple bottle episodes community has pretty much one every season after a certain point i think most seasons have one um but some of them like the first one I forget what its title, uh, hold on, I had the page open a second ago. Uh, the first one is in, uh, season one. All episodes of Community are named for, like, college courses. Classes, yeah. Oh, uh, cooperative, so the the first one is cooperative calligraphy, and essentially it's, this, the, the show is based around a study group, and the study group gets stuck in a room arguing about who stole someone's pen, and it's, like, this whole thing, and they're all starting off as friends, and it, like, gets so overblown, and... It's just, like, a lot of character <laughs> development by, like, them trying to figure out, like, who would have stolen the pen and who wouldn't have. And maybe it's, like, it's a lot of, like, relationship building in a really, or, like, showing in a really short half hour. 
Um, and, like, a lot of seasonal plots kind of came out of that episode when, like, someone said something and another character's like, oh, you think that about me? And then, like, it grows into this other thing and there's a monkey. It's a whole thing. Um, but, like, the best... There's <laughs> a monkey. Best of course there's bottle a bottle episode. I think of, like, all time. And, like, you guys could, like, judge me on this, but it's also a community and it's, um... The radial chaos theory, which have you heard? You know that you know that gif of Don Glo- Donald Glover when he like comes. He walks in with the pizza and with everything's pizza. on fire. Yes, yes, that's that episode. <laughs> so the remedial chaos theory is essentially like there's a housewarming at um, two of the characters' apartments. Donald Glover is one of those characters, and they are playing Yahtzee, and the doorbell rings for pizza, and like they keep on throwing the die. Oh, the time. darkest timeline so, like, emerges. <laughs> yeah, 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 so, like, the die, the die, like, gets, so, like, each time, so pretty much it's, like, a bunch of, like, timeline alternatives, so pretty much the dice gets thrown, one person has to go and pick up the pizza, and the show, like, shows, like, a few minutes of what would happen if that person's not in the room, and, like, some of them are just, like, a little ridiculous, and some of them are literally, like, people end up dying and losing their arms, and it's, that's the one that he walks in on. Abed ends up with a, with a, a paper right, he, he gets burnt. <laughs> yeah. Like, and it's so crazy because it doesn't feel like a bottle episode at all, cause, but, like, you're still in the same room, and people aren't, I mean, like, people are going in and out of the room to the ones to go get pizza, but, like, aside from that, it's just all of them in the same space, and there's a lot of engagement, even though it's, like, and it's very much not a typical bottle episode because, like, the timeline does reset, but, so it's not just, like, character development and people talking to each other in a, like, a totally closed-off space. But it's just amazing. Like, it's so good. And I guess, I don't know, like, people do consider it a bottle episode. Like, I looked at a lot of lists on bottle episodes before I brought this episode up. I'm just saying. Um, But I think it's just so good. And I think it's just, I I think, Michal, like, if you haven't watched it, go to Netflix and just watch that episode. Like It's so weird. I love it. Crazy episode. I should, I should, yeah. And they, just for the, the gif of, just... Donald Glover just walking and be like, oh. it's, it's so that would be so weird for me to see in context now because it's it was like, so strange because so I, I started watching it. I think I started watching it during the pandemic, and I was just like, wait, I know that scene. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, just a brief shout out to like time bending episodes. Another Agents of Shield episode in in the final season um, is a is a is a time loops. Time, time loops are my favorite. Yeah, yeah, and just things happen over and over. Oh, it's so good. It's really good. It's yeah, it's like Groundhog Day is like my least favorite time loop uh, because I've seen so many better ones, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like sometimes I'm the only person alive who doesn't like Groundhog Day, but I just have so many better options. I've never seen it. Um, there's, a, there's an episode of... Uh, the one episode that I saw of uh, Star Trek Discovery that has been called a bottle episode according to the gods of the internet um it's it's called magic to make the sanest man go mad and it's in the first season and it is a time loop episode and it is probably the best episode of the whole show in my opinion because it's like it's it's self-contained and it actually you know builds the character dynamics in a really um interesting way and it just it feels like an episode of a show rather than just a fragment of a larger story. Um, and 
Yeah, and it it really develops the characters and moves the story forward at the same time as it's doing this very entertaining time loop mystery kind of uh, action story. Um, and yeah, I didn't think of it as a bottle episode because I guess the baseline for Discovery is that there are just so many special effects all the time. Uh, but according to Memory Alpha, it is uh, it is considered a bottle episode, um, I guess, because relative to other episodes it has uh fewer sets and fewer effects but yeah if you're going to watch an episode of discovery i would recommend that one if you don't want to just like start at the beginning um that is one of the few that stands on its own and can be watched even if you haven't seen the rest of the show i think yeah um i'm i'm torn if i want to go serious or funny but i've i've gone serious the past two so i'll just i'll go with funny um this is kind of just a general thing but like um well i mean okay so one of my favorite episodes of friends which is like a hugely problematic show but it was a very important part of my teenage experience like if you want to if you want to know a good way to like numb the pain of your parents divorce it's buy all the box sets of friends and watch them over and over and over again (laughs) um so um yeah there's there's Episodes where the, the the particular one I'm thinking of it might be the first one, um, where they the the they are supposed to go out to a um, the one where no one's ready. Yes, exactly. There, there you go. It's in season like it was two, on one I of think. the lists I had pulled up earlier. Don't worry, I didn't know that offhand. Yeah, it's it's so it's like I just remember loving this episode. So the the setup is basically like they all are about to go out for like I think a, a Ross has a a dinner or something that they're all going to. And, um, and they just can't, they can't get ready. Like for whatever reason, like Rachel doesn't know what to wear and Chandler and Joey are fighting and Monica's probably stressed about something cause she's Monica. Um, but like, I, I remember just loving that episode and not having any idea as a teenager that like it, it didn't take place. Like it, 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 it didn't go anywhere. Or, like it didn't, it didn't feel like it was done for a, cost-saving reason and then like i mean part of part of the reason i like um have a special feeling for friends is because it's some of the first like tv like behind the scenes stuff that i i watched as a kid and like or a younger person and like the commentary so i i I listened to the commentary on that episode and they they were like yeah we basically just did this because we had no money in the budget and i was just like blown away by the the fact that like this thing that i loved so much that i found so funny and so like like intimate with the characters like and and just enjoyable had just come out of like necessity and the need to keep everybody in one room um because the plots just interweave so well and you know i found the i think this is the drink the fat episode right um there's like a, a running a running joke about how um, Monica has a jar of rendered fat in the fridge for some reason. <laughs> Joey drinks it, and then it becomes this thing about how they're they're joking about the fat, and then Ross proclaims his love for Rachel by being willing to drink the fat. Um, which, in retrospect, probably Monica would have an issue with because it's not that easy to render fat; like it takes time. <laughs> so she would probably like be like, uh, "Don't drink my fat, please." But um, yeah, I I I feel like. It's weird, but I feel like I have, like, a a debt to that episode in, in certain ways. Like, it was kind of revelatory for me in, in my experience of watching TV and, like, you know, the the things you can do without, 
you know, all the bells and whistles. Not that Friends had that many bells and whistles, but still. It was no pivot, I guess we sh- we could say. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think... I actually was looking this up as we were talking in, in the community episode I was talking about a few seconds ago. It's actually... It had a lot of graphics, so, so it had relative high-quality budget for just, like, animation that they incorporated into it. <laughs> but, but they... They licensed Roxanne by the police, and apparently it shot their music budget for the whole season, so they couldn't use really any other music for the rest of the season except one song. Okay. So, like, that, that bottle episode, that's sort of a bottle episode, but very grandiose in a bottle episode. Yeah. Uh, idea of a bo- what a bottle episode could be. Like, it kind of became the budget issue that bottle episodes usually are made for, um, like, as a response to. So I just thought it was a very funny thing. Um, yeah. But I think the other bottle episode that I wanted to bring up was, again, from a sitcom. I really have just been watching sitcoms and K-dramas lately, and those don't do bottle episodes. Um, And I watched the terrible Inventing Anna. It was terrible. Don't watch it. Don't waste your time. I don't know why I did, except that I have COVID. And I needed something to just, like, hate watch. I heard it was interesting, but I don't know if it was, like, good. (laughs) It was not good. It it should have been a two-hour documentary. Yeah, I heard it was turgid. Yeah, no, it should. It was painful. It was worse than having COVID. No, it wasn't. But that's what it felt like. (laughs) (laughs) I just kept hate watching it. Um, But the the other thing that I watched that I did not hate watch was Brooklyn Nine Nine's um, uh, bottle episode. Um, It's I don't know if either of you guys have watched Brooklyn Nine Nine, but it's not necessarily a very. So it's the the box. It's the episode with Sterling K. Brown where he's the dentist. I don't think I've seen that one. Oh, okay. So uh, Sterling K. Brown guest stars, and it's pretty much um, Andy Samberg's character and Andre Brower's character, you know, Jake Peralta and, and Raymond Holt, uh, ca- the captain, um, interrogating this dentist because they're convinced he killed his business partner and they have to, like, get the confession in, like, a span of, like, 25 minutes before, like, it turns midnight or something. And so, like... The whole episode is just the two of them and their dynamic going off of each other and Sterling K. Brown's dentist and just, like, the three of them kind of, like, bandying about with trying them trying to, like, play smart cop, dumb cop, and him trying to prove that, you know, he, you know, he's a smart dentist and they can't get anything on him. And it's just a fascinating 20-minute, 25-minute episode, I guess. Um... And they're just, like, locked in an interrogation room, and that's the whole episode. And they're just, like, doing random things, trying to get this guy to confess, and trying to trick him into confessing, and trying to, like, beg him into confessing. I think there's one scene where one of them tries crying or something. Like, it's just very <laughs> I'm trying to imagine that. That was probably Peralta who did that, because I don't think Holt could pull it oh, off. Oh, it was for sure Peralta! Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine Holt trying to cry and just failing miserably. Yeah. So they spend, like, they spend, like, half of the episode essentially trying to convince this dentist who they're, they're, they feel killed his business partner, um, that Peralta is, like, dumb, and, 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 like, he can confess to him because, you know, Jake will mess up the case anyway, and it's, like, this whole thing, and so anyway, so it's, like, it's about their relationship with each other, and also, like, their role in, you know, 
as cops during interrogations and stuff. And also Sterling K. Brown is just so good as a, <laughs> as a dentist who probably killed his business partner. So, so good. Like really, like it's just the, like them, this whole episode. I think I'm trying to remember if there was another, like if there was a subplot going on elsewhere during that episode, I'd have to rewatch it. I feel like it was just the two of them. And it makes sense because it's season five. They like had some filming issues. So I remember they like were doing things. Whatever, yeah, and matter. if it, if they only had it. 20 minutes to get it, so that makes sense that they would just be the whole 20 minutes is that... Um... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. <laughs> it sounds like oh my God, It's such a good episode. It's so good. You should watch it. It's called... It's season five. It's called The Box. I think I... Oh, I, I actually have to finish watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I think I I fell off in like six. Um... I think the final season is worthwhile. I think... I think... I think they... To whatever degree that you can in the, you know, network sitcom, they kind of address some issues of the day in a really good way. And like, I know they had to rethink some things after, you know, with the yeah. whole Black Lives Matter movement taking off and the uh, anti-cop uh, general sentiment. And they wanted to, to acknowledge that. And I think some of the cast members didn't want to portray cops anymore. And they yeah. kind of worked that into the show. Um, and I think they did a pretty good job and they like, I mean, obviously, you know, it's a cop show, a sitcom. So it wasn't like gonna, you know, end all political woes, but I think it did a good job. So yes. So watch the box. If you're not going to ever watch any other Brooklyn Nine-Nine episode, I would suggest watching it just because it's such a good episode and Sterling K. Brown is such a good actor. <laughs> I mean, he's always a good actor, but he's just such a good actor and he plays a deranged dentist so well. <laughs> <laughs> That'll go on his resume forever. Like, plays a deranged dentist so well. I mean, I think it's just, it's a pretty famous yeah. portrayal by him in that episode. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's been on a lot of other things, yeah. so I'm not, <laughs> not concerned. Shall we do one more round know. of... Uh... I have more, because I didn't even get to most of the Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have more. Okay, so let's let's do one more round and we can... Uh... Yeah, tomorrow you can commentate or whatever. Um, <laughs> okay, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I'll Google some more. Um, yeah, cool. Yeah, so in terms of Star Trek... Um, Nobody an... was speaking of tar- Star Trek. SM, in terms of Star Trek... <laughs> yes, because I did mention Star Trek myself a few seconds ago, so I'm just going to riff off what I was saying. <laughs> so... Um, one of my favorite episodes uh, that happens... Well, it happens uh, late in the first season. It's called Duet. Um, and as the title implies, most of the the episode is... The meat of it is between two different characters um, just going back and forth. Um, and the premise is that there's this... Uh, the regular character... Um, Major Kira, who is, she's a Bajoran, who, Bajorans have been, um, and were an oppressed, occupied people for 50 years by a brutal Cardassian regime. Uh, Yes, not to be confused with Cardassian, which is totally separate and irrelevant. The Cardassians are a reptilian species um, with really awesome prosthetic makeup. and they are kind of like the space Nazis in the show, um, but they they don't give them 
the kind of specificity that is like this is a one-to-one parallel with you know Nazis because they're a little you know they're they're cleverer than that I find that like one-to-one comparisons and you know one-to-one metaphors and allegories tend to be kind of lazy so this is uh so this is like basically an interrogation between um a survivor of uh of the Bajoran occupation and one of the Nazi-ish occupiers um, and oppressors. And you get to know a lot about the, about how Major Kira feels about the occupation and about anybody who participated in it in any sense. Um, And you get to hear um, the, well, you there's there are a lot of tw- there are some unexpected twists um which make it just multidimensional about how it's just a really interesting look also at the kind of trauma that that being an oppressor can have on a population cuz the thing about deep space 9 is that it tends to go for the messiness and the complexity of these issues rather than just you know this is good, this is bad. It's all about the in-between and the shades of gray and the complexities and the different ways that all of these things can impact um, the people involved. And this episode, yeah, I, I trying to think of a way to summarize it without spoiling things, So, and I really can't. Um, but it makes you feel for the, for the various characters involved in ways that you probably didn't expect um and it it builds the character for sure um and there's just a fantastic guest actor um uh, playing the part of the Cardassian and yeah and it is the kind of episode again that I think you can watch without having seen the rest of of the show and like sometimes like some people say that the first season of Deep Space 9 isn't that good which I disagree with but anyway even if you don't think that the first season of Deep Space 9 is that good so so if people are having trouble getting into it I've told them in the past just skip to this episode skip to duet and you'll see what the show is capable of becoming and the kind of stories that they are capable of telling and it will give you a much better sense than the earlier episodes that you were having trouble with. Um, yeah, and there are future episodes with this character, Major Kira, um, because the actress is just phenomenal. And there's like a later episode called Second Skin, where she's kidnapped and um, and she's put into a truly disturbing situation, and she's trying to figure out, you know, how to get out of it and why this is happening and who's being targeted and what they want. Um, And yeah, that one is probably also a bottle episode, although I think they did, you know, build a new set for it because it does take place on a different planet um, where the interrogation happens. But yeah, I'm noticing that like all of these episodes are just like interrogation episodes, but interrogations are very intense. Okay. Uh, Yeah. So yeah, I think, you know, one of the major keys, if you're going to have like a, because, like, there are ensemble bottle episodes, especially, like, in sitcoms, like you've mentioned. Uh, and then there are, like, you know, one or two person bottle episodes. And, like, when you have those, it's, it's like the actors really, you know, they hold it together and the writing holds it together. And it has to be all on point for it to feel like a, 
a worthwhile episode. And so some of like the most high quality writing and acting takes place in these kinds of bottle episodes, which is another reason I love them. Yeah, to stay on the uh, intense, make you think, like train, um, another bottle episode that really sticks out to me. And I, I don't, honestly, I haven't watched it in many years, so I do not remember if it's like strictly bottle but i'm pretty sure it all takes place in the same set at least um but um epitaph one from dollhouse yeah Mm. is like i I mean i have i have very intense and weird feelings about dollhouse (laughs) because i have written about dollhouse because it's one of my favorites um even though it has a lot of intense you know triggering material yeah, it's very intense. There's a lot of, you know, issues with it, obviously, like Joss Whedon, there's stuff there. But, like, it it is a very thought-provoking show in a lot of ways. Um, and Epitaph 1 was kind of um, a finale slash bonus at the end of season 1. I think they where... didn't know if they were getting cancelled or not at that point. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely produced on the cheap. Like, that. that's in the Wikipedia article. <laughs> but, like, it... It's hard to describe. It, like, doesn't really involve any of the... Ma- it, it involves, like, a a bunch of people in an apocalypse scenario exploring the main set of the show. Yeah, and kind, kind of, of trapped in the dollhouse. Yeah, and figuring out... Not really figuring out, because they don't know the people, but, like, through different things that happen, the audience kind of figures out some of what has happened or might have happened to the main characters um an an unspecified um number of or amount of time later um and it's also written by Marissa Tantron and Jed Whedon who uh show ran Agents of Shield and I'm a big fan of theirs um and it's just it's just very strange and like has a real disregard for the rules of what you what you think the rules would be you know in 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 a in an episode of television. Also, like, it's it's interesting because the end of Dollhouse Season 1, like, the official end, um, the real finale, was kind of disappointing. It was sort of just like a... Yeah. It ended up as, like, kind of just a fight the bad guy and win sort of episode. Um, and and then it, you know, the, this episode 1 didn't really air with the rest of the season. You had to, like, I think I found it online from it was, like, streaming in Singapore. It was it was weird. The yeah, whole Dollhouse experience weird, that- was very weird. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I remember giving up. I just like couldn't follow like it was too hard to watch when it was on air. Yeah, yeah, it was it was very odd. Um but that almost like works for this episode because it feels kind of like a secret It's kinda like, like disconnected from the rest. Yeah, like a secret epilogue or something. Like yeah, and it, it's 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 very it's a very interesting, very rule breaky, very unconventional episode that again i you know you couldn't really do in like a standard you know like takes place with outside scenery and you know lots of interaction with the main characters and and stuff like that i I guess something interesting about this is that it doesn't actually focus on you know main characters talking um like there are scenes like that that are sort of flashbacks but um it's it's more it pivots more on the idea that like these are lives that have existed and have left some remnant behind and it's it's sort of part of the other you know the new people's survival is sort of figuring some of that out and um yeah it's it's 
it's fascinating. It's one of those things that just, you know, it, it really made me think about like what you can again, like do with the form of TV and, and when you're willing to kind of break the rules. Um, there's kind of a similar episode in uh, the, the finale or the mid season finale of uh, the nevers, which is the formerly Joss Whedon show. Um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, that show is honestly weird because it, watching it is like taking a tour through Joss Whedon's trope brain and it's just like oh there's that there's that there's that there's that there's that person there's that character that whatever so the f- the mid-season finale is sort of epitaph one like um although I still found it found it very interesting to be fair yeah I think that's that's an interesting one to end on for me because it, it is very like yeah, and it kind of reminds me of a different episode of Babylon 5 that I don't think this would be considered a bottle episode, but I know it was thrown together at the last minute because um, they got a last minute renewal. So the finale that they were going to air, um, they were going to hold it until the end of the actual show. So they aired it at the end of season five, but they had to throw together um, a uh, season four finale, which I happen to think is one of the best episodes of the show because it widens the scope and it broadens it shows you what happens you know 50 years in the future and then 100 years in the future and then like goes all the way out to like a thousand years and then a million years and just like how the events of the show could contribute to a mythology that would you know gradually you know get distorted and reconstructed and uh and you know lead to different things uh, and yeah, and it's not like any other episode <laughs> of the show, um, or any other episode that I've seen. Um, I don't know if it can, it's considered a bottle episode cause it, you know, does take place in various different locations and de- different sets and, and whatnot, but I think it was probably done pretty cheaply because it was a last minute edition. Um, yeah. And it's one of my favorite season finale, series, season finales, not a series finale. Um, unless you're British, in which case a season is a series, and I'm very confused by that. <laughs> um, so anyone want to add anything else? Any? I think we could end there if Tamar doesn't have any more uh, for her round robin. I was going to bring up some Doctor Who ones, but I'm sitting here not sure if they're actually... We're very uh, flexible. all episodes. <laughs> well, I just don't think either of them... I don't know if either of you have watched... I'm thinking of Midnight. Doctor Who. So Midnight was the one that came up when I Googled, and then the other one was Heaven Sent, which is um, uh, Capaldi's final episode. Oh, I didn't um, see that far. Or his penultimate. Is it his penultimate episode? I don't remember if it was his final or his penultimate one. I think it's his penultimate one. Um, so Midnight, the one that SM brought up, is like... It, it, it is a bottle episode in that, like, the Doctor and a bunch of people are stuck on a shuttle, and they're they have a fearsome foe to face. Um, and like, it's a really a lot of great acting, but, but I I'm saying it's probably not a bottle episode because every doctor who episode pretty much stands alone, except a few two parters. And like, obviously there's like a running thread through many seasons, but this one, but like some episodes just aren't like blink. Also, if we're using the oh, same, I love blink. like definition of standalone, um, would be essentially like, uh, like it'd be the same thing. Like it'd be, you know, a different type of, of shows so this one like they are stuck in one place so it is really a bottled episode definition but like it's not like our normal cast of characters it's just like the doctor doing his thing um and he does that in every episode so it doesn't really matter um so i it is a bottle episode by the technical definition but i don't think it's necessarily a bottle episode in that like 
like other other shows bottle episodes i guess in some way like where like i feel like it probably saved them some money because it is one set so actually that's the actual interesting thing is that it did not because they had to film all the cast and usually in the show the thing that costs them a lot of money is the graphics but for this one they had to pay all the actors and so it actually cost them more than a typical episode (laughs) (laughs) um and then the other one um which i really love which is heaven send it's one of the more recent episodes i think it aired in wikipedia says 2015 um starring peter capaldi and it pretty much was like an hour of the doctor being on his own and it's just an amazing show of acting so i don't know if it's a bottle episode in that regard but he is stuck in one place and he's just kind of like doing his theme his excuse me doing his thing like while wandering around a castle um that is torturing him and it's just like a fascinating show of like a character in this case the doctor engaging with like the environment around him and like the story of his life and the universe and like just everything and it's like he like the the castle is the bottle that like he's trapped in but like the other characters are like his existence and everything else so it's quite interesting i don't know if it's really a bottle episode or not but i like it and it feels very bodily but it's also not low budget well i think actually that that idea that like a lot of things that we think of as bottle episodes ha- nowadays might not be that cheap. You know, I, I think it speaks to the idea that the form has like appeal to, to people. Like I don't, I don't think like it's, you know, if you think about things that have like sort of faded, you know, the, the clip show is not really done that often. And that, that was another, like, those are also saving. considered bottle episodes. <laughs> Right, and those suck, and I hate those. Um, and, <laughs> um, the only one I ever remember like being okay with was like the Legend of Korra had to do one. Yeah, they, that was they fun. set it up pretty creatively. Um, but Which like, one? Um, it was like the the what the episode before the finale, like the series finale. Um, like mm. the which was like two or three parts or something, but it was they were just like. It was like yeah. they were telling the story over to other characters. Yeah, so it was a little more oh, yeah, amazing. Yeah. Um, plus, I think Asami made Korra tea or something, and it was like <laughs> Asami. Like, wow, they're really trying to make us think that this thing that's not going to happen is going to happen, and then and then it happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, there's a notoriously terrible clip show episode of Star Trek um, called Shades of Grey, where it's basically like, oh. yeah. Um, where one of the characters is, you know, knocked unconscious by something, and then he's reliving memories of, you know, different things that happened to him in the past, which, of course, are only the past two years, because the show is only two seasons old. Um, so they, uh, just, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty awful. (laughs) It's, yeah, I think it was, it was, like, almost at the very end, it might have been the finale of season two. Um, but it was like, yeah, toward the very end of that season, because obviously they'd run out of money. Yeah. Um, but, but so, I mean, you know, I mean, all, all respect to TV creators who have to do that. Like, I, I'm sure it's nobody's first choice. Um, <laughs> but like, um, yeah, I, so I just, I feel like you, you see a lot fewer of those, but you, you still like the, the, the form of the bottle episode, whether or not it's cheap, I I feel like it's, is alive and well, um, you know, yeah. it'll be it'll be interesting as 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 like shows get shorter. You know, like we we've kind of the U.S. has sort of like adopted the U.K. model of 
shorter seasons um and that's kind of become the norm now um like it's it's weird for me to be like oh i used to watch like 21 22 episodes of a show like no problem and now i'm like oh my god it's 13 episodes like whoa like calm down um (laughs) i still have not reached that point i'm still like oh man it's only 13 episodes Uh." (laughs) but like i used to think like i i remember very distinctly like that's just a personal thing that i i I remember thinking like what do you mean that the the show is like five episodes in in England. Like what? What does that mean? Yeah, like, Sherlock. Where's the rest of three it? episodes, and they've yeah. still not made another season. How hard can it be? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, I don't know. I I think I think it's a. I think the form has proved its um its worth, and it's you know it's it has justified its existence. I think um personally. Yeah. So all the haters can just you know, suck whatever. it. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, but that's going to bring us to a close for this episode of Nice Jewish Fangirls. Um, Tamar, where can people find you on the internet? You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Tamar Writes, um, or you can follow my writing at TamarHerman.com, or if you want, you can go to South China Morning Post, where you can read my articles, although I will be on vacation for much of the next few while as I move and I have to take a forced leave because I'm not allowed to work in the U.S. for a few weeks. <laughs> um, so I won't be writing so much, but I'll be probably tweeting incessantly. So if you like what I have to say, please follow me. Um, or don't. It gets quite annoying when I'm just like, yay, Wordle. Um, <laughs> I still love it. Yeah, I know. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> I won't tell you the answer. Today. Okay, good. Um, and SM, how about you? Um, uh, people can follow my public posts on Facebook, and um, you can follow me um on my very occasional tweets on Twitter at Floating Spirals, and um, my fiction is at Amazon.com/author/smRosenberg, and my movie review pop culture commentary newsletter that is occasionally updated um, is at smrosenberg.substack.com and I think that's all my internet places. Yeah, and as for me, you can find me on Twitter at InkAsRain. Um, some of my other podcasts include uh, the Level 7 Access podcast, which where we talk about Marvel and Star Wars and a lot of Disney Plus stuff and occasionally other things, too. Um, the Vassals of Kingsgrave podcast, which is kind of a generic nerd discussion area of existence. And then also the Podcast of Surprise, where we talk about The Witcher. Um yeah, you can also find our editor, Jamie underscore Bloomberg, on Twitter, and jamberg.me is their website. And you can find us, of course, on Twitter at Jewish Fangirls, Facebook, Nice Jewish Fangirls. You can email us at NiceJewishFangirls at gmail.com. Nobody's probably listening to this point, but I would like to request some iTunes reviews because we haven't gotten any in, like, two years. And, like, uh, it would be nice. It, w- it would be nice to. We know that you're out there. Reviews. We know we have listeners. Don't know who they are. Um, yeah, so that is going to uh, do it for us for this week. Thank you so much for listening. If you celebrate, have a Chag Purim Sameach. And uh, live long and prosper, everybody. Bye.